Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director with Jacob Alexander Ferg. I'm sitting here with Jared Johnson. Jared, how are you doing right now? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, For the listeners who are not familiar with you, can you give a history of yourself in the performance theater realm that led you to being the Artistic Director of the Orpheum Theater? Sure. Uh, I guess like most people, it it begins sometime in my teenage years. (laughs) I joined up with a youth theater organization after not knowing what to do with myself. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was about 14 years old. I joined an organization in my area of Twin Falls called Jump Company. And that stands for Junior, uh, excuse me, Junior Musical Playhouse Company. And uh, I performed in Hello Dolly as a, as a member of the ensemble. And uh, that's what hooked me on to performance and to singing in general. I performed with that organization until I graduated from high school. I didn't much know what I was doing uh, at that time, but uh, I had a really cute girlfriend who had gone off to college ahead of me by a year, so I chased her to college, (laughs) uh, went to Idaho State University, uh, pursuing a degree in business. That changed very quickly. Uh, She was in choir, she was pursuing music, and I, uh, I wanted to at least do a class with her, so I joined up in choir. I auditioned there, and they said, yeah, you should really probably be doing this instead of what you're doing. And I said, well, this sounds really cool. Let's just give it a try, shall we? About a year and a half later, I had uh, switched majors entirely over to music with an emphasis in performance, solo performance. I did a couple of victory laps, not knowing any of the basics beyond just singing. I I had no background in music theory. Uh, of, Of course, I had some acting but I, I, I learned quite a bit there at Idaho State uh, in regards to acting and uh, certainly singing and certainly the, the basis of music theory and such. So after six years in my undergrad, I moved away to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, married that girl during my college years, and uh, we left with our family uh, to go pursue my Master's of Music at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, Conservatory of Music and Dance. Uh, I graduated from UMKC, did some performance. I got a call from my family, who lives in this area. And at that time, they had said, Oh my gosh, this really cool thing has happened. Do you remember when you said how cool it would be if the Orpheum in Twin Falls was, was ever out there? I said, Oh yeah like that will ever happen. They said, well, guess what? The Orpheum Theater is, is going to go up for sale. It's up for sale, and uh, we, we, have a, we have an opportunity here, but to do this, we need, we need you to, to come in. We need you both to come in and, and run this. And I said, well, that sounds really stable. <laughs> uh, and, and it's certainly uh, anyone who knows uh, the performance career, uh, whether it's uh, musical theater, theater, opera, which is what my emphasis is in, is actually opera, or, you know, yeah, choral, anything, really, anything performance-based, it can be hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not entirely reliable, um, as sad as it is to say, and that's why we have so many uh, waiters and waitresses and, yeah. and, and things like that. But this was, th- this was an incredible opportunity and an opportunity to come back into my area I have to admit, quite a bit earlier than I thought, and because it was always my dream to come back and sort of share what I'd learned and 
sort of grow the arts in my area. I think most performers sort of have that dream. When I get old, I'll go back home and blah, blah, blah. Uh, a, a lot of us do from, from the people that I've talked to, but it's always some nebulous time in the future. Well, at that time, the future was then and now. <laughs> so in 2014, we uprooted from Kansas City and we moved back to Twin Falls. And from there, we found a place started working renovations on the Orpheum Theater. And that's really where it where it started for me getting involved in the arts administrative side of excuse me, arts administration side of any performance business was just coming back to the area after being uh, told about this amazing opportunity. So what really got me involved in the arts was luck, <laughs> chance. Uh, what got me to meet that really amazing girl that I chased off to college was luck and chance. <laughs> luck and chance to get me into uh, the choir class and then get me studying music and performance. And finally, uh, of course, being lucky enough to be accepted into a master's program. So all in all, really, it's 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 a it's a lot of luck and yeah. just sort of um, you know leaning into the waves, so to speak, to give a surfer reference. Yeah, you know, I, I, I suppose. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's not like m m most of my my journey was most certainly not planned. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's we always talk about having a master plan, and in particular, I find a lot of artists say, "This is my plan," and it never happens that way. Yeah. Um, we're we're lucky if it happens a few steps along that way, but yeah. it never really happens exactly the way that you that you want and i like having fluid plans I, I when an opportunity arises it's really great we jump at it we take it and being here in the twin falls area quite frankly it's the the, the living situation is great it's a wonderful area it's rather cheap to live here yeah. as as compared to larger cities and uh, airfare out of here is not half bad either. So uh, I still get the opportunity to go and perform. Uh, and, of course, everyone says, well, I don't get the opportunity to perform as much as I'd like. Because most certainly anyone who's a performance addict wants to be doing that all the time. Yeah. So we, I, I go and I do my stuff as, as I can and, uh, and as the opportunities present themselves. And, and that's really what, what I do as far as performance goes. But it's here... Of course, I get the opportunity to perform on the stage occasionally. The last time I performed on on the stage in an actual stage show, we did Cabaret back in November, and that was the last time I performed a, a big role. I stepped up to perform as Chef Louie in The Little Mermaid, <laughs> because that's... I, after talking to uh, the panel of people who were involved in casting, they said, yeah, let's go ahead and... That's that's a scene, just yeah. one scene. Yeah. Go go ahead and let's have you do that. So certainly, just making a fool of myself, I have I have no problem <laughs> with. But as far as the stage and as far as the building itself, it's been since 2014 when the renovations began, and since then, it has been a wonderful journey of of uh, not I wouldn't say trial and error. There were certainly ideas, things that we wanted to do, things that I knew that I wanted to do, wanted to make happen. And we've been able to make these things happen over time uh, with a great deal of patience 
and careful strategy uh, to make things work out the way that we we had really in, intended them to. Sometimes they take longer than others, but certainly we've been able to to generate uh, a great deal of positive change uh, for the betterment of our artistic community here in the area. At least I feel so, and also provide a a very stable venue for the general public in the area to come see a variety of events, uh, not just musicals, not just stage plays, um, hopefully one day opera. Uh, yeah. I haven't done that one yet, you know, but certainly uh, a variety of other things that we do here from stand-up comedy to improv to films. And uh, one of the more recent things that we've done is uh, for Pride Week, we had our we had our first drag show in honor of Pride Week. We had a drag show recently that was also successful, but we, we had the opportunity to, to be involved with Pride Week here, and uh, it was a wonderful opportunity. That's fantastic. Yeah. So to sort of give, <laughs> give, the, give the wide world of drag uh, uh, a presence in yeah. a community is, is a real honor mm-hmm. for me. So that's one of the... Um, that's just one of the many fascinating things that, that we get to that we get to do here. So uh, it's been a long journey, but there it is. Great. From my teenage years all the way up to all the way up to now. That's there we go. perfect. Uh, so I'm going to start this off, or I'm going to my first question. Mm-hmm. I try to make my first question the same question for all my guests, okay. and it's one of the driving questions I think of this um, of this podcast. And it's a big, ambiguous question. All right. So feel free to answer it in any way, shape, or form you choose. Uh, the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? My artistic direction is the, uh, the direction that uh, brings people into any sort, excuse me, any sort of a enjoyable cultural exposure. And it isn't about educating people. It isn't about um, saying, well... Uh, this area has no idea about this. We're going to bring this here. There's no one cares. My, I say enjoyable cultural exposure because in truth, I, I, I believe that, uh, one of the fundamental things about, um, art and performance art in particular is, uh, the idea of bringing ideas, new or old, but in particular new, to a stage and giving that, uh, a vehicle by which to be seen out mm-hmm. in the world. So, the goal there is to make sure that it's something that, you know, people will enjoy, that people will want to see. I firmly believe that uh, a person may, in fact, have the most beautiful thing in the world, but if no one sees it, is it really beautiful? Yeah. I mean, so the tree falls in the woods sort of thing. Yeah. And I and I do have, I have close friends of mine who would just absolutely disagree with me on that, 100%. <laughs> And I love them dearly, but I think that they're absolutely wrong, and we have to agree to disagree. My artistic direction is um, the direction that uh, brings in an audience and gets them to feel something, anything. Whether it's... And, and the great thing about being in a space like this is that we have so many different things that we can do to pursue that goal. It's not just, um, it's not just, uh, about what you put on the stage. We have a screen here as well, uh, because we're a vaudeville style theater. So we have a, a screen that we can fly in and out and we get to show 
wonderful films uh, like Casablanca. And we get to show really fun films um, or really scary films or were scary back in their day, like Jaws. Yeah. Real, really, uh, you know, gut-wrenching films and just, you know, the, the, the heart stoppers of yesteryear. And, of course, uh, sometimes we even get to do some of the newer stuff. And uh, sometimes we show classics from people who are uh, people who are my age with kids of their own, people who grew up with stuff like The Princess Bride and The Goonies, and and whether it's the feeling of uh, of nostalgia, the you know the scenes in a movie that make you jump, or anything like that, or when you're watching the most beautiful performance of um, of a piece on the stage or just reliving your childhood while watching The Little Mermaid live on stage, we're, we're feeling something. And I believe that um, at, its, at its very heart, performance is, we, we, are, we are peddlers, if you will. We are peddlers of, of, um, of feelings and dreams. And the more that people can connect to that and, and sort of um, key into that and feel that, uh, the more of a connection that you make as a performer and and as a building too because people equate experiences with where they where they were that's why so many people they go to disney world or disneyland and they say oh it's the most magical place on earth because they have all these wonderful experiences there well yes i mean if you have a disney parade in new york or in la and Mm -hmm. um you know mickey mouse is there and it's you have a wonderful time do you say well i had a wonderful wonderful time in la or (laughs) on um in times square i mean certainly people have good great times in times square i've had wonderful times in times square but you know (laughs) it's people equate their experiences excuse me uh not equate uh correlate their experiences with with where they hand them and so that's a really amazing thing you know to know people can say oh we got to do this at the orpheum theater was so amazing we had such a great time um or uh, that show was was beautiful. It brought me to tears. Or I could not stop laughing. That was yeah. the most hysterical thing that I've seen. You know, and whether or not it's the performance um, on stage or a film that we're showing, etc., we're just happy to be doing that. I like to mention to the uh, employees here that the great thing about our job is that we're always on stage. Even when we're not on the stage, we're always on stage because this, this is the place that has to be. You're, you're at the Orpheum theater. Yeah. You're at the Orpheum theater. You're, you're here to have a, you're here to have a wonderful time. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah. We're happy. And every employee is sort of in and of themselves an extension of the theater. Right. When they're within the theater. Mm -hmm. That's, and whether or not, um, and we have several employees that, um, uh, double dip on responsibilities, have different things that they do. We have uh, one of our front of house managers is also uh, one of our lighting technicians. She's great. Our primary sound technician, um, he handles maintenance, not just for the sound, but for most of the building. Our One of our best stage technicians um, is also the one that handles uh, costumes for an organization that lives out of this building. And we have uh, a, a variety of different individuals with different paths with different um, uh, careers that that they are still pursuing or have pursued and now they are here working in this place 
So it's all sorts of different experiences that come forth to make this this engine yeah. that that sort of just chugs along in the area and just does its very best to bring whatever it is that we we hope that uh, our 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 audiences, our our general public in this area, really wants to see. And of course. We don't get it right all the time. <laughs> yeah. We have had movies where we've had five people. Yeah. It, it's true. We've had one or two yeah. where it's been, well, that was crickets, and we're probably not going to do that film ever again. Yeah. Um, I won't say which ones. But then <laughs> we have things where we're like, okay, well, this should do okay. This should do okay. Yeah. And it takes off. Mm-hmm. just takes off, and we had no idea. So that's the point when I'm struggling and I have to sit there and say, oh, please, 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 please pick up your phone, employee X, because I really need you right now. Can you please come in? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and it's it's great when things like that happen because we learn new things. We learn new things about the people in this area all the time. There were people that told us, you guys are crazy. You're going to do a drag show. People in this area aren't going to go for that. Yeah. I said, you know what? I think you're right. There's some people who aren't going to go for it. But I, I think that there are enough people here in this area who are going to love it. And 300 people later, That's awesome. they loved it. Yeah. And it was one night only thing and they loved it. That's so good. You know, yeah. and um, we, we've held a variety of different things here. Yeah. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, people said we were crazy for doing that. It's going to destroy <laughs> the theater. Yeah. Or it's just not going to do well at all. And we don't sell the balcony. We don't sell the balcony for that show because when you have cards and rice and yeah, you don't want people throwing uh, stuff. Yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, things like that. You know, it's much easier to clean it when it's on the floor. But 230 people later, which Ooh. is the capacity down here, there it is. Yeah. You know, people, people are here. People they want to see things, and sometimes yeah. it's yeah, sometimes it's unique, and sometimes we get big crowds, and sometimes we get smaller crowds, and sometimes we get really good-sized crowds that are just about average for things. But as long as we have people who are here and keep coming and continue to enjoy what is here at the theater, we feel that our direction is the appropriate one. Yeah. Um, Because as long as there are people here who have their eyes towards the screen and not down at phones, which, of course, is its own issue in and of itself. I mean, yes, we live in a technological age. But if we can keep their attention that whole time. You know, I mean, if we can, we, we can command that attention while you're here, then I know that we're doing something that's, that's really great. So as long as they're here and enjoying what they're seeing and having a great time or uh, feeling whatever emotion it is that we're, we're trying to, to portray, then uh, I feel that we're, we're doing our job. Yeah. And it's, it's not about art for art's sake. I mean, art is, art is beautiful. And I do believe that all art has a place, but you have to find where that place is. And as sometimes, really, sometimes as much as you want that place to be here and now, <laughs> sometimes it isn't. Yeah. And it takes a little bit. It took a little bit to, for me to, to really completely swallow that pill <laughs> and realize that, oh, well, not everyone's going to love this as much as x person or y person or z person or even i do so we sort of have to we have to go forward with that and uh and figure out what it is that that people in this area really really want because it's about 
being in touch with their community. That's exactly. It. Especially for the Orpheum Theater, that is the only performance venue in Twin Falls, with the exception of the schools. Uh, is that true? I'm, I'm not, yeah. There's probably well, I mean, some not, other not, not, not to say that there's not not to say that there's not other venues. I mean, there's a there's a place that's had in Jerome, Idaho. It's called yeah. um, it's called Diamonds, and Diamonds is great. They cater to um, they cater to bands, and yes, they are of course a venue. Yeah. But just like any venue, <laughs> a venue has the things that it does really well, and yeah. things that you know it's not so keyed in on. We, for instance, we're not exactly the venue for heavy metal bands. It's just, it's just not in us. We have seats. We don't have a whole lot of open floor room next to the stage. That's not going to be us. Yeah. You know, they, um, are our friend and I, and I know them very well. I've performed with, uh, with the, uh, with one of the owners over at diamonds several times. And, uh, I don't think they'd be able to put on, uh, Phantom of the Opera, for instance. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, it's, um, and of course, uh, that, that is, that is a bar venue. So, I mean, of course, I, I view these places as, as venues. They do have, they do have performance areas and stages, but we are the, we are the only, uh, venue in the Twin Falls area and this side of the Magic Valley that is, uh, what you see here, a vaudeville yeah. style stage, uh, which is a rather deep facility, yeah. rather deep stage, possesses wing space, things like that. And that is that is what we are. Yeah. Now, of course, as you've mentioned, we do have the auditoriums and things mm-hmm. like that, and the college um, that have their own facilities. Because, yeah. yes, of course, of yeah. course, they would. <laughs> so, but as far as being in the community itself and away from academia, yes, this is the this is the performing arts center style yeah. stage. Yeah, uh, and and from my understanding, sort of before this interview and then during this interview. The Orpheum acts as a vessel for, I think, a lot of other entities to sort of flow through. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. The company which owns the Orpheum Theater is one that is called Ovation Performing Arts. And actually, in the second and third floor above uh, the Orpheum Theater and above the lobby area, that is where uh, we have a classroom, a series of offices, and a full dance studio. You can actually walk on Main Avenue in front of the theater when there's sidewalks in a row. Because uh, right now it's under construction. Yeah. We're, we're really happy for the redesign in the area. It is under construction, so it's a little tough to traverse. Yeah. When you, uh, If you were to go around from 3 o'clock until about 8 o'clock, uh, you could look up in the third-story window and you would see dance practice. You would see dancers. Cool. Um, you could hear singers, uh, things like that. And that is one of the, the great things about this is that the building itself is almost constantly in use, yes. almost constantly. And uh, yes, this is the home of uh, the busiest theatrical organization in the area. And, and I mean, busiest, busiest is an uh, amount of shows that they do per year. And that's Magic Valley Repertory Theater lives out of this building. And um, between Ovation Performing Arts, which owns it, they also perform on the stage a lot. And Magic Valley Repertory Theater, in addition to several other theatrical organizations in the area, such as Jump Company, which just wrapped up their performance of Guys and Dolls. Remember that company? That was the company that I was yeah. joined when I was a kid. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's one that you know really. Yeah. I'm really happy about like that they're here. Your roots, yeah. exactly. You know, and and uh, in particular to be able to go back and say, okay, here's a place where they can 
and, yeah. and we, and we can work together. And so it's, it's almost a throwback to my childhood to be able to that's say, cool. okay, I, I get to be involved in this again. So yeah, that's really cool. That's, that's a really fun opportunity. So, you know, as far as, uh, as, as far as being a vessel, as far as being <laughs> the, the great, the, the great ship that sails the arts in this area, the artistic sea in the area as a theater, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and yes, we get to work with all kinds of people. We get to work with, 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 with people from all walks of life, all sorts of different artistic paths. And of course, given that we are who we are, this also allows us to be there in case, uh, people need things for less artistic pursuits. Um, business meetings. As a matter of fact, the city of Twin Falls uh, rented out the theater to have uh, a state of the city address rather recently, Cool, which was always cool. Yeah, I love yeah. being able to work with the city at any yeah. turn. It's, it's fantastic. We're, we're thrilled to work with the city. And, you know, that's one of the great, the great things being so, being so flexible and having a, a stage like this, having a building like this, because yes, it's great. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it's historical, but it's versatile. Yeah. And versatility means not just versatility in what you have, but wondrous variety in the people that you get to work with. Yeah. So when you adopted the building or when, when they came under your control in 2014, what sort of steps did you have to take to get it up in a running condition? The uh, company that owned it prior had acquired it from an organization that owned it before that had made a lot of, I would say, questionable choices with the building. They had uh, they taken a lot of the unique aspects of the building and sort of wiped the slate clean on those, oh, removed things. And, and th- this is the thing that I think that most people don't understand because I tell people this and I get and I get that sort of yeah. uh, stank face reaction I just yeah. got from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that all the time, and I say, well, this is the thing that you have to remember. And one of the phrases that I've adopted was history isn't history until it's history. Meaning that very much like the way that we view the seventies, mm-hmm. we view the seventies as that gaudy, God awful monstrosity <laughs> that is just terror. The colors are awful. We hate them. Yeah. Oh, it's gross. Why would anyone put, you know, um, that sort of puke green next to, you know, you know, baby chick yellow. Yeah. I mean, why would you, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, it's, well, they sort of had the same view back in the 50s and 60s about the, the color schemes that were used in the 20s. I mean, really, it's, yeah. it's, it's so interesting because that, that cycle really does exist. And they thought, well, it's gaudy. It's old. We need to, let's update it. Yeah. And so they did, you know, it, it went through several repaintings and there was a time when even the marble in here was painted over with black. Oh, whoa. And, we're still cleaning some of that up. Um, every <laughs> once in a while, we, we send someone through to, to go and polish it, and there's just a little bit of extra black paint comes off. Yeah. And, you know, but if, as you can see, it looks pretty good, yeah. actually. You know, so, I mean, we what, what we had to do primarily was not anything structural. Uh, the building was in fantastic condition as far as a structural standpoint went. Just fine. Structural engineers came in, gave their stamp of approval on it. The major points of uh, renovation and restoration were the stage and the dressing room area, um, which is actually right beneath the stage. So that area was uh, affectionately called the dungeon while we worked on it. (laughs) It was complete concrete. There were maybe two light bulbs in it, and it was 
horrifying. It was fantastic. <laughs> a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was a dungeon. But we knew that that was dressing rooms prior. We knew that it was concrete floor dressing rooms prior, probably much better lit. But there were stalls. And, I mean, they were smaller than the dressing rooms at your local Walmart or Kmart, you know. Wow. Um, but they had graffiti in them from performers. So we have actually saved all of those. Oh, cool. That's and great. one day we'll, we'll get a display going featuring those particular items uh, because they're just, just fascinating. So uh, we removed, we, we preserved all those and we recycled everything that we could possibly recycle nice. or upcycle. So uh, a lot of the things we tried to reuse ourselves. A lot of a lot of the wood that was down there, we've repurposed and we've actually reused it elsewhere in the building. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it was sort of our our own little way of you know keeping the building as intact as we could. Yeah. So what we what we what we wound up doing was um, removing most of the concrete that was down there, because after about a hundred years of uh, impact and misuse or non-use or installation of machinery. It was pitted and pockmarked, and in some cases, just missing chunks yeah. of <laughs> missing chunks of rock and things like that. So, a lot of what we did was was touch ups or relaying a floor, things like that. Of course, doing all, all the bells and whistles, electrical and and uh, new plumbing and all that, yeah. all the great modern necessities that we need yeah. nowadays. And as far as the dressing rooms went, I mean, that that was a big project, but we we got it functional, and there is now a men's and women's dressing room, each with their own restroom and a green room down there, and it has uh, direct stage access. So you take the stairs up, and there you are. You're right on stage. So, you know, we're we're happy with that, and we're glad that we got the chance to do that, of course. The stage itself, the floor had never been replaced, ever. When we got, we there were things still attached to the rigging system, the original rigging system. Okay. Yeah. From the twenties. From the twenties. Yeah. Which we still use the batten rail. We have we have further secured it, but it's in great condition. And we use the batten rail. Uh, we like to think that we're a mix of an old and new technology. So we we have new ropes, not the original ropes, yeah. which were still here when we got the building. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, original hemp ropes from nineteen twenty. Oh, now they okay. are now they are the OSHA approved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ones that we need to be using. So we have those, and um, you know we we get to use that uh, bit of all the new together. But when we when we got the building, we noticed that there were still things hanging on the on the uh, on the fly system, a fly system that really hadn't been used in some time, uh, seventy years almost. So we lowered things down, brought the appropriate people on. Uh, to assist with hanging uh, and rigging a new system. We, of course, had to invest in stage lighting. Uh, we actually did extend the stage out a fair bit. Uh, it was actually it stopped right at the proscenium line. We extended it out about eight feet from that. Oh, wow. And um, it extended. We, we extended out over an orchestra pit, which I can't, I would not have been able to stand in shoulder to shoulder. Apparently, um, they were very, very small, and so were the instruments back then. So, very, very small and functionally useless Mm -hmm. in today's day and age, just with the size of players and and instruments. So, we we use that as the basis for extending the stage out. Uh, Of course, added stairs to the front of it and laid a new floor down. 
which again had never been replaced. And we, we got to see it's 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 fascinating, and it never occurred to me when we first started renovating that we would get to see not just uh, what everything was made of, but how it was designed, how it was made. And w- there were things that were there were things that were done that we looked at and we realized, oh my gosh, they did not need to do this. This is so overbuilt. I mean, uh-huh. it's so reinforced. I see. I mean, it's it's just crazy. And I'm certainly not saying anything about today's day and age and construction in today's day and age. But uh, the way it was put to me by the person who was handling, uh, who was leading the restoration was, back then, they didn't have to, you know, if a building fell down or something collapsed, you know, that was your job. Yeah. You know, you had, you, your credibility was shot. There was nothing else you could do. But the great thing about that is that they would, they would make everything so sturdy. Yeah. Or at least everything that's in this building, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it's solid. And from, uh, from the joists that hold the, the stage up to the supports in the balcony, it's, it was amazing to see just how it was constructed and, and, uh, the amount of effort that was put into making it what it is. Really just fantastic and amazing, especially to someone who has no idea. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, I was there just as another pair of arms and, uh, <laughs> to be there doing that, knowing that I would be, uh, of course, um, handling most things. I'm not a construction guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was happy to help. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's kind of an out there, long winded answer. No, 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 it's perfect. That's, that's fascinating. It's really actually all fascinating. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about in terms of artistic direction or just the performances or Twin Falls or the Orpheum that we haven't talked about yet? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we talk about artistic direction. I mean, I, I guess you could say that I am the artistic director for the Orpheum Theater insofar as that I handle all the bookings. I, I book incoming talent. I don't want to take calls when people want to rent the space, things like that. So in essence, yes. As far as the official title, uh, artistic director and how it exists in other senses, in other areas, yeah. Twin Falls is not quite that big yeah. for that yet. Yeah. So I, I take artistic direction as a part of my job. Mm-hmm. But overall, that it's me yeah. managing the space, managing employees, managing managing the bookings, managing uh, the shows that are here, and you know, uh, all of that. So as far as the uh, artistic direction side, what I would say is, you know, as, as a venue, as artistic director for a venue, know what it is. Don't simply assume that, you know, people are just going to like everything we have to, or, or like new crazy outlandish stuff, <laughs> because sometimes they do. And sometimes... Well, not so much. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that I can say is the thing that uh, I say to a lot of people, and that is, to the extent that we can, know your audience. Know your audience. Know who you're going for. Um, we know that the same people who come to who come to our big drag shows may not. We might have some overlap. We probably have some overlap. We might have some overlap between those who go see the big drag shows to those who come see the Little Mermaid. Yeah. But it's not generally the same type of audience. Yeah. 
So you have to know who you're going for and know what it is in general that your community wants. And yes, there are times where you have to take a chance because if you don't take some chance, how are you going to know? Yeah. But know what it is to the best of your ability that people want to see. I mean, we're not psychic, but yeah. we can try. And so if I had to, to say anything, it's even if we are, are, are talking about artistic directors for uh, uh, theatrical companies, like uh, uh, a, uh, a local or regional mm-hmm. um, performing arts company, uh, Harbor Company. Yes, we want to be able to do all these big and mixing things. Absolutely. But we have to hook people into that first. Yeah. We, we have to know that we can... We have to know that we can um, we can have an audience. So, you know, I mean, we wouldn't start off, uh, and I, I wouldn't start off an operatic season with, say, doing something like uh, Massenet Cendrillon. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, which is Cinderella. You okay, know? I mean, okay. that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but no one knows that just from looking at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one knows that when they hear that. Because this is in the middle of southern Idaho, and uh, we don't have a lot of French speakers here. But if we started off with, say, um, perhaps something in English or something more noticeable, yeah. maybe Carmen, okay, maybe yeah. uh, the Barber of Seville, maybe, and this may be a stretch for some of my operatic friends, but Pirates of Penzance. Okay, yeah. You know, or That's something like that. <laughs> you know, if we can do something like that. And if we can hook an audience, well, then we can say, if you love this, yeah, you, you're going to love this too. Mm-hmm. Come see this. You're not going to regret that. And I think that a lot of that is missed. And a lot of, because we're all passionate people and our passion is what really drives us, mm-hmm. you know, and what we love, we want other people to love. And a lot of people get hurt and confused when people don't love it. <laughs> Which is why you see so many performers and so many artists, and they're so dejected all the time. Yeah. The depressed yeah. artist is is such a stereotype. Yeah, you know, it's a trope. It, yeah, it's a trope. I mean, it's they use it all over the place. Yeah. Yes, it's the <laughs> it, it's one of the biggest tropes out there for performer. <laughs> um, you have a you have a sitcom. Well, you need a depressed artist yeah. in there. Well, okay, well that's there. You go. We can work with that. Yeah. Okay, and. I, I do find it to be true because people wonder, well, no one came to see, I'm so depressed. No one came to see this. No one liked this. You know, I don't understand. I don't have an audience. Well, perhaps it's not the passion, but it's just how we're going about yeah. that. And, and that's, that's the way that I look at that personally. So that's what I'd say. Here's something I'm interested in is when people come to a theater, they uh, they have their own intents, yeah, uh, and like whatever that may be, and everyone has their own individual intention. I'm curious. And do you mean what, everyone, or do you mean just audience, or I like I'm, well, I'm okay. I'm talking more in terms of the performers. Oh, okay, yeah, the staff. Okay, great. I don't disagree that everyone, including audience, does. Oh no, 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 um, no, no, no. That's just fine. That just gives me a direction to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in the world of the performers, how do you cultivate a culture? That's a term that I really like to support everyone's intention while all sending them in the direction that the theater is. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. 
the important thing is to recognize is that not all of it is going to happen at once and not all of it is going to happen at the same time. Because as far as performers go, there are certainly performers, and I have been one of these performers. It's take any job, anytime, anywhere, let's go, let's do it, I got a job, let's get hired, yeah. Or, or there are people who uh, do local community theater. Or like, it doesn't matter what part I'm in a show. Yes, let's do it. Let's go. And the Nick Cages. Yes, and then there's the Nick Cages of the world. (laughs) Then there's the people who say, you know, I I really want this kind of role. Or I recognize that I'm not going to... I don't think I'm good for a part here or there. You know, I'm auditioning for certain things. Or I'm auditioning for character roles or um, for, you know, lead roles or... I'm really an ensemble-only player, and that's my that's my jam, dog. You know, <laughs> as one of my as one of my compatriots here says, I'm ensemble for life. That's me. I, I just I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, the the truth is is that on an event by event basis, there is only so much that you can accommodate that you can cultivate. But the idea there is is not just to not just to cultivate one thing, but to provide a multitude of opportunities to performers, amateur or professional, that are enticing enough to get them out there to say, after some time, you know, I never thought about this possibility. Maybe, maybe to do that. And of course, if you're a professional, to get people, I mean, if you're a professional company and you have your pick of the litter, so to speak, yay. But not all <laughs> professional companies do. Yeah. And a lot of professional companies, you know, they, they go by audition. It's an audition by audition basis. And that's what we have to do with. So, but after a while, you know, I mean, if, if you've cultivated a really strong relationship with your performer, it can be a thing of, Oh, well, we know so-and-so. Yeah. They're really great. I don't know if they thought about doing this. Maybe we should contact them, see if they want to come either. Maybe we could offer this to them outright, or maybe they would like to come and audition for this role. And let's just see where it all stacks up, you know, uh, certainly, Disney does that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I cannot remember her name, but the lady who played uh, uh, the wonderful singer who played Megara, uh, the wonderful performer who played Megara in Hercules, oh, auditioned yeah. for, uh, like I said, I can't remember her name either. She auditioned for Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, and, <laughs> you know, yeah. just finally got kept getting called back in, and boom, they found the part. Nice. You know, it was Megara. But that's the thing when when you when you have these opportunities that uh, that continue to to present themselves, th- there's more opportunity for people to you know explore things that they are either really really good at or maybe that they yeah. want to improve on through experience, you know. So really, what what it's all about is providing providing a vehicle. Um, or at least as many that you can yeah. to people who can uh, who are ready to take advantage of an opportunity um, and like I said be this amateur or professional and to provide uh, not just those opportunities but provide them in in a great deal uh, provide them in great quantities if you're able to and I feel that our cooperation with Magic Valley Repertory Theater and uh, certainly through the classes that are, happen at Ovation Performing Arts for, for the kids and uh, through organizations like Jump Company, the opportunities, uh, at least in our area, are readily present. And we are not an area necessarily that is large enough for a professional presence yet. 
no. being a professional performer, I recognize that we're not quite there yet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it will be, it'll be some time mm-hmm. before, before we're the big blip on the radar rather than the little blip on the radar of, of the performance industry. But the idea here being at least on an amateur basis is that if the opportunities can be provided, then great. The trick therein is to provide an experience within those organizations that is not simply getting it to perform, but is an experience that one can wholeheartedly enjoy. And yes, not everyone gets the part that they want. <laughs> you know, that's true. The theater that, that's the, that, Yeah, exactly. That, that's theater. <laughs> that's, that's how it rolls. Yeah. But what that allows people to do is, is, you know, you get that experience. And if, as long as you're enjoying your experience, which I think is in part on, on not just uh, the facility that you're using, but the people who are in charge of facilitating these awesome theatrical activities be it opera, musical theater, or, or you know, uh, or, or stage play. It's, it's, it's all about the experience for the performer. You can have rave reviews in a place, and you can get paid pretty well, but if you have a terrible time doing it, what's going to make you go back? You know, it's, it's sort of like working in a job that you hate. Yeah. No one wants to do that, yeah. and at the first opportunity, you're going to say, yeah, I might take a lesser paying job than I love instead of hating myself for doing this all the time. So it's about creating not just opportunities, but wonderful experiences when one takes advantage of those opportunities. So people come back. So people keep coming back. And not only that, so that people keep telling, at least in this area, on the amateur basis, that they tell their friends, Mm -hmm. you know, because I... I'm there. There are people out there. I mean, we, the other trope in the performance industry is the domineering director and things like (laughs) blah, 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 you know, and yeah, those things exist, but at least insofar as the organizations that I regularly work with, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, strong community and at the repertory theater doesn't happen that way. Yeah. You know, and most certainly, uh, with the last couple of directors with the, the Jump Company show, yeah. doesn't happen that way. You know, it's constructive. Yes, uh, someone, rightfully so, someone can totally suck and you have to say, okay, let's look at this a different way. Yeah. But that's better, <laughs> you know, but, you know, looking at it from a constructive standpoint, you know, it's, it's, it's far better to learn by, in my opinion, and it's far better personal experience to receive that kind of criticism and that kind of instruction Rather than, you know, being, yeah. you know, marauded over, basically. Yeah. And and that's, but hey, that's my personal feelings. Yeah. yeah. But the experience is, is important. You get your best out of your performers when they feel invested, not just in the show, but in what you're doing as a whole. Yeah. And when they feel invested it's easier for them to make a connection with your audience Mm -hmm. and it's easier for those nebulous fireworks to happen. Yeah. And the more opportunity that you have to produce that, the stronger your performance community gets. Jared, if anyone is looking to find the Orpheum theater or you online, uh, do you have any plugs to, to plug into the end of the show? If you find yourself in twin falls and you want to see what we're all about, 
you can find us online at OrpheumTwinFalls.com. Okay. And that's the theater's website. Perfect. If you happen to be moving here, or if you just want to see what lessons are like with either the dance instructors, myself as a vocal instructor, or any of the numerous other instructors that we have with Ovation Performing Arts, you can go to OvationPAC.com. And that is the performing arts education side of what we do here. And of course, with the, uh, the repertory theater, um, that will be, uh, MVRepertory.com. And that is their primary uh, avenue of contact. So yeah. that that's really about it. Travel through downtown Twin Falls and give us a look over sometime yeah. in the area. We're big and we're we're beautiful and we're happy to be here. Yeah, it's a great theater. Thank you. Um, and can I, or, or I like ending my podcast with this, can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? It could be like a book or a movie that you really like, a food, a lifestyle, a quote, anything. Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's he, a great, great the, the 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 quote. From oh, the Dead quote. Poets, the quote from Dead Poets Society. And I'm not. I I'm not going to do this verbatim. Uh, I'm not going to say it as exactly as oh, he yeah. says in there. What is it? Uh, medicine, business, law. All of these are noble professions, and um, uh, I believe it's something akin to required for uh, a successful society. But. Um, Beauty, art, poetry, love. These are the things that we live for. So, in my mind, we have to recognize that, yes, all these other things exist and they're incredibly important. But what we do as performers and as a theater is provide that escape to people to say, come in, sit down and feel the emotion either from this classic film or feel the emotion from this wonderful Disney show or this stage play, or XYZ, whatever it is that we have. From yeah. Little Mermaid to Cabaret to On Golden Pond to yeah. newer stuff like Disenchanted, there's always something to be found. And we are ready to provide that. Yeah. Because, thankfully, there are other people providing these incredible necessities of life. Yeah, and that want for escape leads inadvertently to discovery. Which I think is beautiful, like which is why I love performance so much. Exactly, um, Jared. Thank you so much again for sitting down with me. It's been great. If you want to find this podcast, you can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud and Facebook and Listener. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.